We'd like to begin tonight's service by looking at some scripture. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to the 28th Psalm, we'll read a couple of verses from Psalms number 28. And I want to begin at verse 6. Psalms 28, beginning at verse 6, we read these words. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications, my, my pleadings, my cries. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people, and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also, and lift them up forever. We'll begin with the handout, and I want to begin reading from the Old Testament, from Micah chapter 5, verse 2, because what we're seeing in the book of Matthew is we're seeing the fulfillment of Scripture as we've looked at. Actually, I, I began to mention that in the study tonight, but then I realized that was actually a message I preached last Sunday, the fulfillment of Scripture's. And that's what we're seeing here in Matthew is the fulfillment of God's word, giving us the assurance, the assurance through his word that, that what he says shall come, come to pass as he has said it. I've titled tonight's study, My Lord, because as I read through these words that we're going to go through, it over and over again, it comes to mind that he has made himself my Lord. He's always been my Lord. He's the Lord of everything. But every one of us know there was a day when we did not know Him as our Lord. Not until He came to us in His love and revealed to us that love. So we read here in our handout, the beginning, Micah 5 verse 2, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, thou, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. He shall be ruler in Israel. Well, again, he's ruler of everything. But only until, until he comes to us and shines the light of his Son in our hearts, we go about through this world thinking we're the rulers of everything. Amen. We're the rulers of our little world. We're, we're gods, little gods as it might be. That's what the devil was talking about when Adam and Eve sinned. And he told them, you'll be as gods. Your eyes will be opened and you'll see you'll be as gods. They did. They, they thought they were gods at that point. Now look over at Matthew if you would. Turn over to Matthew chapter 2 and read with me. Verses 1 through 6. Now we looked closely at verses 1 and 2 last week, but uh, I want to read them along with everything again this time this week. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod, verse 3, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. 
And when he had gathered all chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet, that's what we just read there in Micah 5.2, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the, le art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Now, in the handout, mid-page, we begin right there. We closed our time together in last week's study, considering, or the last study we were together, considering the irresistible call of some unlikely characters. Remember that word wise doesn't necessarily mean wisdom as you and I see the word wise it actually comes from the word magi m-a-g-i or magos which means magicians fortune tellers uncommon men is what we looked at uncommon to the religious realms and I wish to make one more point before we go on in this text we have in this passage a demonstration of that which ought to make our hearts rejoice in quoting from the Old Testament, in verse 6, those religious folks make a statement of truth that brings great peace to God's people. It says, For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. You see where I'm getting the title? My Lord. He has made himself my Lord. He has made himself Lord to me. He has revealed himself as the Lord of all things. And what peace that brings to, to my soul. I can read the words of God and say, that will be. Because he's God. He rules it. When he says to us, in his, in, in, when he inspired Paul to write to the Romans in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know that all things, we know why. Because he's God. He rules over everything. He's Lord of all. He's my Lord. Back Going, continuing on in our handout. Our Heavenly Father rules all things in providence to accomplish His purpose for grace, of grace. That's what we'll read about in Romans 8, 28-30. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are now, who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate. We see the Lord of everything right here, moving all things according to his purpose. For them he did foreknow, he pre did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. What peace you and I have in these words. There's a day coming, folks, when we're going to be just like him. And in his eyes, we're just like him now. We see ourselves in the flesh still and see the sin that's within us, but God does not see that sin anymore. That sin, every sin that you and I have committed, will commit, has all been laid on His Son. He's paid it all. He sees our sin no more as far as the east is from the west. Is that not good news to you? Oh, that blesses my heart. We're going to be conformed to the image of His Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, moreover whom he did predestinate. Them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them 
he also glorified. Oh, the joy that we receive from the words of God in giving us comfort that our Lord rules all things. In Romans 11, verses 33 through 36, we read these words, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How great is the mystery of godliness, folks. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of wisdom and of knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Page 2. Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him, and through him, and to him, are all things to whom be glory forever. He caused the light to shine in the darkness. He made a star to guide these chosen men to Christ the Savior. We read in Revelation 1.20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks are which sawest, are, are which thou sawest are the seven churches. He moved Caesar Augustus to make a decree concerning taxation. That's why Joseph had to go to Bethlehem. They had to go back to their hometown to pay their taxes. That was caused by Caesar Augustus. He prevented Herod from following these men to Bethlehem. Herod could have followed those men as they went following the star. He provided what Joseph and Mary needed to flee to Egypt. Those men came bearing gifts, gold, and, and, and uh, what, was, what else was there? But there was gold and, and frankincense. Here it is in verse verse 11 frankincense and, and myrrh these are very wealthy things this is all this is how god provided joseph and mary to leave where they were and go down to egypt they were going to go to a foreign land what were they going to live on down there these men brought you know i i was thinking as i was reading those words there was a time when kathy and i when the lord first brought us here to to rescue and, and you, some of you may already know this, but I'm going to share it with you again anyway. And I was driving my truck one day, and Kathy called me up just crying, just in tears. And she, and she tried to squeak out the words, you're not going to believe this. We, we had something that we needed, that needed to get done for us to uh, finish moving into the, the residence here, or something to that effect. There was something that we needed some money for, and we didn't have enough in the general fund. And uh, she said, a lady has shown up with an envelope, and it's got $1,000 cash in it. And she goes, I just broke down in tears, and I've been crying ever since, I, ever since she left. She goes, she, she just came and said, I needed to give this to somebody, and he wanted you to have it. And she turned around and walked away. We've never seen that lady again. This is, this, this is the works of God Amen. in providing for his people. It, 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 the same thing happened when this room flooded. You, you wouldn't believe the monies that came in from people I didn't even know. Some, some folks down in uh, Louisiana, a group of people down in Louisiana had heard that rescue had been flooded out in the dining hall. So they sent us a big old check. Everything was covered in... And, and, and there was still enough left over to put our new heater and our new air conditioner in the room here. 
This is the way God works. He rules everything, including the wicked, to make things good for his people. He caused the light to shine. Was, he moved Caesar Augustus. He, he warned these men from the east, back in our handout again, in a dream not to return to their own country through Jerusalem. And as he cared for Joseph and Mary, his servants, and our Savior who came into the world as his righteous servants, so God's servants in this world are the objects of his special and unceasing care. All who are his are the, are the apple of his eye. You and I may safely cast all of our care upon him, for he careth for you, as it says in 1 Peter 5, 7. So let's move on now in our text. Let's read verses 7 through 16 in our Bibles. Turn to your Bible, if you would, and beginning at verse 7. Then Herod, then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced, with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for the Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked, and the wise men was exceeding wroth, when he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coast thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of these wise men. Did you notice something? I just noticed something. Uh, no, let me let me stop what I was going to say there because I didn't read the footnote on that. Never mind. Okay. So, back in our handout, middle of page two. Folks, this too is of God's purpose. In Deuteronomy 32-39, we read these words, See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. I kill, and I make alive. I wound, and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. Everything that happens, folks, is by the permissive will of God. He either rules all that is, 
or we are wasting our time in vanity. Verse 17 declares this, Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by the Jeremiah prophet, saying, and, in, and then it gives the, the, what the prophet prophesied of in verse 18, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation. Now remember, Ramah, that's where, that's where uh, King Herod was. Lamentation and weeping and great mourning. When he slew all those children out of his own wrath, what do you think was going on in the land? Lamentation and weeping and great mourning. Rachel, the wife of Jacob, weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. Page 3. Brother Don Fortner wrote these words concerning that. He says, From the beginning of time, Satan has opposed his Creator. When God made known to his holy angels his intention to save sinful men by the blood and righteousness of Christ and thus exalt, thus to exalt manhood to the place of the highest dominion over all creation so that even the angels would be servants to chosen redeemed sinners, Lucifer said, No, I will not be servant to man. I will be like the Most High. And he led one-third of the heavenly host into rebellion against God and against the purpose of God. From the beginning of time, Satan has been opposed to Christ and has attempted to nullify the purpose of God. And so it shall be until time shall be no more. And the old serpent, the devil, is cast into the lake of fire. What a horrific scene we just read. What a horrific scene we have here in the attempt to destroy the Lord of all. Let me read that verse again. Then Herod, when he saw, verse 16, it's in the handout. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked. You know, I'm going to stop there for just a minute. I was thinking about that very thing, because isn't that what we did? Isn't that what we do in making ourselves to be gods? In thinking of ourselves as above God? Are we not mocking him? Is it not his wrath? that cursed this world for mocking him in the, in the, in the garden. Now, I'm not trying to make Herod a picture of God, but we see Christ where we see a picture of Christ. Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. What a, what a horrific scene we have before us. And sent forth and slew all... And, and in all the coast thereof, for two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. But folks, it's no less horrific than the day you and I live in today. People are mercilessly killing in pure hatred. Mercilessly killing children because they just don't want to have them. It's called abortion. Mercilessly killing people all around the globe. The world is filled with men and women who worship other gods of their own imagination, belittling, mocking the one true God. Again, attempting to destroy the Lord of glory by raising themselves up, by glorifying themselves. Men living according to what they think is right, having no respect for the lives of others. Death reigns in this world, folks. This is as much of God's doing as anything that happens is of God. Yet some will spend an eternity praising the Lord for His mercy to them. 
Those who have seen his mercy, knowing that they too were once ones who mocked the Lord and, and raised up their fists against him. God will deliver a people from the curse of sin. Why and how will God be gracious to some? By providing himself the just for the unjust, sending his only begotten son to be our propitiation, our atonement, our righteousness, our wisdom, our sanctification, our justification, our redemption, our all in all. Page 4. I quoted back on page 1 from Romans 8.28, 828, and we know that all things work together for them that love God to them who are the called according to His purpose. I ask you this question. Do you know? Do you know that all things are for our good? Do you think Joseph and Mary knew that everything that was going on in their life, being chased out of, out of Bethlehem, coming to Bethlehem and not having an end to lay down, do you think they knew? If they were of God's people, they knew, just like you and I do. They trust the Word of God. Do I know that the curse of this world is for my good? I can tell you this, that if there was no curse, would I need a God to send a Savior to me? If there was no curse, would I, not, would I need God to send me a Savior? If there was no curse, would I need the righteousness of God because I have none of my own? If there was no curse, would I need the blood of the spotless Lamb of God? If there was no curse, would I need one to intercede to God on my behalf? I tell you, if there was not for the curse, I would not know God's grace to me, and neither would you. Everything. It says all things, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. That means everything, folks. You think you got trials going on in your life? Imagine the folks whose babies were killed and slaughtered in this day. Was that for the good of God's people? Yeah, absolutely it was. I know this. I know this, that everyone for whom God has loved from before the foundation of the world shall be with him because of what his son has done. Not one shall be lost. Not one. And that includes babies. Herod stands before us, back in our handout, as an example of the enmity of a man's heart against God and his opposition to Christ and his cause. The Lord Jesus came down from heaven to save poor sinners. What could be more noble and beneficial but as soon as he came into the world, Satan had Herod in place and inspired his heart with the barbaric cruelty to seek the young child to destroy him. Reprobate interpreters of history tell us that Christianity has been the cause of great cruelty and bloodshed. But if they were honest... They would say it has not been Christianity, but man's opposition to Christianity yes. that has been the cause of great cruelty and bloodshed. 
wasn't the Lord Jesus. There wasn't any reason the baby Jesus had given for anybody to kill those children. It was the world that was against what Christ represented. The sovereignty of God. Here are three things that we must never forget or expect to change. Page 5. The cross of Christ and the gospel of God's free grace in Him are an offense and a stumbling block to the unregenerate man. You'll never change that. And you should never expect to change the world in that either. We preach the gospel and pray the Lord will change it, but we know that we have no authority or power in our word to do so. Listen to 1 Corinthians 1, 21-24. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block. And unto the Greeks, foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. While he was upon this earth, our Savior said, they hated me without a cause, and nothing has changed. The offense of the cross has not ceased. Men do not object to Christ being a Savior. The offense of the cross is that the gospel insists that Christ is the only Savior. The only way to salvation is through him. Through his loving power and election, through his loving power and salvation, it must be through Christ. He is the way and the only way. He is the truth. That's what they hate. That's what the world hates. What did the, what did the Jews do after the Lord said to them, you, you believe not because you're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And I give unto them eternal life. He says, my father, or, and none should, no one is greater than my father, and no one can pluck them out of my father's hand. My father and I are one. What did they do when they heard the truth of who Christ is and, and how people are saved? They took up stones to stone him. They took up stones to stone him. That's what happens. That's what the world does. We're never going to change that. They hated him without a cause. Men do not object Christ to be a partial Savior. The offense of the cross is that gospel declares that Christ is alone, is, is, sa is Savior alone. I wrote that backwards, sorry. The gospel of God, back in our handout, mid-page, the gospel we believe runs in direct opposition to the religious world in which we live. The gospel of God's free and sovereign grace in Christ is contrary to all the natural religious sediments of all men. To all men by nature, to all lost, unregenerate men, religious or irreligious, the cross of Christ is an offense. It is not possible to make the gospel palatable to the lost men. Every attempt to do so of necessity involves compromise. That's what's happened to the religious world that we live in. That's what hap has happened to the so-called Christian churches. They've compromised the gospel to make it more presentable. They want to have more souls. We want to be soul winners. Well, how can we do that? We get more people to come to church. Well, how can we do that? If we feed them every Sunday afternoon after church. They compromise and make it more tasteful to men. They, hear, they, let it, they tickle the ears. 
It is not possible to faithfully preach the message of salvation by God's free and sovereign grace through the merits of Christ's sin atoning death and imputed righteousness without offending those who reject and deny it. Secondly, the great, powerful, influential men of this world, though they are almost always religious in some way or another, are the foes, not the friends, of, righteous, of righteousness. Josiah's are few. Herod's are a legion. Thirdly, the cause of Christ does not depend upon and must never seek the power or the patronage or the political figures of civil government. It is written, put not your trust in princes. That's what it says in Psalms 146.3. And folks, it's as common today as it has ever been throughout history for churches and religious leaders to seek approval and authority of political leaders by civil law. While we should, while we are and should be happy to be free, this is top of page 6, from the fear of political persecution, believers ought to, be quiet, ought to quietly submit to civil authority and never seek to promote and build the church or the kingdom of God by civil law. Look with me, if you would, over at Romans chapter 13. Turn over to Romans chapter 13. Mark your spot in Matthew. We're going to come back to it. In Romans 13... Our Lord gives us some very wise instructions. Romans 13, beginning at verse 1, we read, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. Everyone that rules this country has been put there by God, and that includes the man we have there now. It will include whoever he puts there next year. No power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Verse 2. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works but to evil, to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, wherefore, verse 5, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause, pay ye tribute also, for there are for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom fear, to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Back in our handout, second paragraph, we read, Let those who, whose God is weak and needy seek the laws and the swords of men to give their God's power. Do what they will, we are to do everything within our power to lead a quiet and peaceful life with all men. We read in 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 3, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayer, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life 
in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. In all that is recorded in these verses, we are again reminded of the sovereign rule and the wondrous mystery of divine providence. Satan wanted the Christ child destroyed, so he moved Herod with the rage of petty jealousy to kill him. But God had other purposes and designs which he used the wickedness of Herod to accomplish. In Psalm 76.10 we read these words, Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, the remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. So let me close, if you would, back in our text in Matthew verses 19 through 23. But when Herod was dead, this is verse 19 of Matthew 2, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Achilles did reign in Judah in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither, Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the, part, into the parts of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. What humiliation, back in our handout, second paragraph from the bottom, what humiliation surrounds the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ? born with no end to lay his head, coming into this world and being sought after by some to kill him from such a young age, does this not fulfill scripture? He was hated without cause? Then going down into Egypt only to return into Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth is a small town obscured and despised in Galilee. No one lived in Nazareth except those who could not afford to live anywhere else. Sounds like South Sacramento to me. This is where the Son of God chose to reside. Let us learn from his example. When it comes to seeking great things, page 7, when it comes to seeking great things for ourselves, we are warned in Jeremiah 45, verses 4 through 5, Thus shalt thou say unto him, The Lord saith thus, Behold, that which I have built I will break down, and that which I have planted I will pluck up. Even this whole land, and seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord, but thy life will I give unto thee for prey in all places whither thou goest. It is not nearly as important as people imagine to have property, Position, power, praise, and money. It is a very great sin to be covetous and proud. But it is no sin to be poor, as J.C. Ryle puts it. It matters not so much what money we have and where we live as what we are in the sight of God. Where are we going when we die? Shall we live forever in heaven? These are the main things which we should attend to. Don Fortner wrote these words. He says, The fact is great wealth is a great danger to any man's soul. Those who seek the riches of this world know not what they seek. 
They are likely to fill our hearts with pride and chain our affections to this world. Our master said it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. He didn't say it was impossible. He just said it was, it was harder. How hardly, he also says, how hardy shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Seek not riches, but righteousness. Seek not money, but mercy. Seek not greatness, but grace. If I may add one last thing to tonight's study before we uh, close, it is that death is a great leveler. Herod was now dead, it says. Death enters the palaces of kings just as it does the dens of paupers. That's, I, I meant to put, uh, that's, a, that's another thing that Don Fortner had wrote. None can resist its power, the power of death. That murderer, the murderer of helpless infants, was himself helpless before the Lord God when the hour of his departure from this world had come. At the hour appointed, we too shall die. After death, we shall stand before God in judgment. After judgment, we shall spend eternity somewhere, either in heaven or in hell. Where will you spend eternity? Are you prepared to meet God? Am I? The only way to be accepted with the Holy Lord God is to be washed in Christ's precious blood and robed in his perfect righteousness. For that we must trust him. May God the Holy Spirit give us grace to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made himself to be my Lord. Is he yours?